Sorry to skip the pleasantries, fellas, but we're going to start with Dan Partridge, my co-host. Dan, please describe to everyone listening what you are wearing right now, and then I have a question. I'm wearing a cut-off Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt that I got for my birthday. I never owned any uh, wrestling gear back in the 90s, early 2000s, but it seems more appropriate now than ever. So uh, really enjoying this tank top. Great for Phoenix weather. So this is, it's a stone cold on the front and the back says Austin 316, which is just the classic. So you kind of answered this already, but you got it for your birthday, which was a few weeks ago. This is new or is this vintage? New. Uh, They now sell vintage wrestling shirts at like uh, Urban Outfitters. So um, this is from um, our friend Jason sent me this one in the mail. So uh, Mr. North America, Jason. Yeah. Classic. Shout out to him. So I I own the one wrestling shirt, which was the worst one of all. I mean, it's the best one, but in terms of like a 15 year old wearing it to school, it was the worst one, which was the uh, D-Generation X Suck It t-shirt. <laughs> Great shirt. Also, I will tell you a related funny story. So um, my nephew, I think about two years ago, started playing violin for school. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a violin. And rather than like rent one from the school, my brother was like, we must have a violin lying around um, the Z household, you know, at my parents' house. There were three of us. We all played violin at some point growing up. Let's see what we can find. And so my mom is like, oh yeah, I think we got one like stashed away in the attic or the basement somewhere. So she goes and finds the violin. Of course we've got it. No one's touched it since probably my youngest brother was in high school. So, you know, two early 2000s, mid 2000s. Uh, she takes it out of the case. She looks at it. Hey, it looks to be in good shape. So she gives it to my brother And he's looking it over. Hey, this is nice. And then he goes, wait a second. What is this? And in the back of this violin that, I mean, violins probably cost like several hundred dollars to purchase. This is probably something my parents spend more than $500 on back in the day, not counting the inflation of today. Someone had carved DX suck it into the back of the violin. And so. Who could that be? Well, that was the debate with me and my brothers. We were all like, I think that was me. They're like, no, it was definitely me. Not we were not, we were not denying doing this. We were arguing over who actually did it, trying to take credit. So anyway, my nephew, who's now I think fourteen years old, has a, a violin at school that says "DX Suck It," and he had a lot of questions about that that I don't think my brother was prepared to answer. Ryan, did you own any of the wrestling gear? You always had the pay per views, so you contributed the greatest gift of all. Yeah, I didn't have any of the wrestling uh, gear, like shirts or anything like that. Uh, I did. I definitely had all the action figures when we were really young. That's that's for sure. I had I had the Hogan. I know I had Hogan. I know I had the Junkyard Dog for sure. I had Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and then I had my favorite wrestler of all time, Tatanka. So my parents still have a few toys from when we were kids and now our kids play with them. And one of them is a ultimate warrior, except it's missing one of the arms. So it's like, it's going to give a chokehold, but one arm is gone. So it's like a half Nelson thing. Um, Still works. 
It's still good. Can you describe the contraption that Bill Spillett owned that allowed you to get every pay-per-view for free? I don't know if the young listeners are going to understand this type of thing. This is mostly pre-internet. Yeah. So through a connection with the postal worker network, they had uh, a system and they had, yeah, the illegal cable boxes. So it was just, uh, we called it the hot box back in the day. And it was hilarious because there was like a parent lock on it and you had to like lift this thing in the back and then flip a switch. And then you put the thing back down and it had a place for a padlock. My dad's not going to put a padlock on a cable box. So that just completely stayed off all the time. So yeah, got to watch a lot of stuff. We watched all the wrestling pay-per-views, all the boxing. Um, I mean, I, I was into the early UFC. I mean, I remember watching UFC one, like the first ever UFC watching that at my parents' house, like with my dad. And he's like, this is crazy. He's like, they're just beating the crap out of each other. He's like, you got to see this. And he brings me down to the basement and it's like, what the hell is this? Hoist Gracie. Big Hoist Gracie fan back in the day. But uh, yeah, so we had the illegal cable box. Well, I will say it did contribute another thing culturally to me. My dad pulled me aside. He's like, look, you need to come downstairs at some point. You need to watch this movie on pay-per-view. It was not released in any theaters in America, but it is absolutely incredible. You have to watch this. He's like, it's important for you. And that was American History X which I saw in high school on the illegal cable box before like DVD and all that, when it kind of got bigger later on. Definitely thought that story was going in a different direction. And this was going to be a showgirls reference, but a a spice channel reference. Oh, that's another, that's another podcast, Tom. I, I gotta say, um, like if, if somebody under 30 is listening to this, I, I don't know if they would, but they have no idea about the black box and all this other stuff. I want to, when we t- retire, take the points, my next project, I want to do a podcast called nineties stuff. And we'll talk about stuff from the nineties, but we're not talking about like, it's not a Seinfeld rewatch podcast. We're not talking about friends. We're not talking about, you know, Nirvana or Pearl jam. We're going to talk about the first Adam Sandler comedy album. We're going to talk about, the TV show life without shame, the black box and watching shows quote between the lines, um, things that you would, things that have been forgotten to the hands of time. Anyway, we don't have time for that. We've got a, a a tight week. We got some games we want to talk about. So it's time for some football talk. I'm going to cue the theme music now, and then we'll be back. Break it down. back see how i do that it's good production all right i'm gonna throw it right to dan partridge in his stone cold steve austin shirt talk about week four what we saw from the games what your takeaways are and what you'll be looking at going forward uh obviously notre dame ohio state was the big game of the week um it's a shame notre dame had to have 10 players on the field for the last play of game pretty Pretty sad. Um, Ohio State getting a lot of unnecessary love, I feel like, this week. Um, 
I wasn't impressed with Kyle McCord. And Sam Hartman looked like the same Sam Hartman that uh, crumbled in the face of pressure at Pitt uh, a year ago. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I knew that was Pitt coming. D line, it's true. Like, the Pitt D line got after him and he just folded and they got blown out and they pulled him from the game. And he didn't look amazing. Like, all game, they were like, that's the calm presence of Sam Hartman. And I'm like, he's got 105 yards passing. It's the fourth quarter. Shut the fuck up. Um, first off, let I have to interject there. So first off, that's not a fair comparison because Pitt, Pitt's um, incredible defense was led by future Michigan State coach Nard Dog. So it's just not a fair comparison. You're not going to play anyone that tough the rest of the year. The other thing is, Notre Dame obviously screwed up that last play, but they screwed up the last two to three minutes of that game so badly, got yep. so outcoached, not even outcoached. It's not that Ryan Day did anything great, but um, Freeman just coached horribly. The time management, passing, um, taking a sack on that last, the last three downs where they had to punt. I mean, they threw it twice. Ohio State could have had the ball with no timeouts and roughly the same time. And they never would have even gotten a chance to run that last play. And then of course, leaving um, the receiver wide open on the one, you know, that was the ultra ultra prevent where they're like, well, we'll prevent them from scoring a touchdown, but we'll give them literally anything up to the goal line, bad coverage on the play before they were running it so effectively physically dominating, which is what made Ryan day's speech at the end when he, screamed at 95 year old Lou Holtz funny because they did get physically outmatched by Notre Dame's offensive line the entire game. So Notre Dame absolutely blew that game. They were the better team. Horrible. Well said, Tom, all that's true. Brian day can go to hell. That whole Lou Holtz thing was unnecessary. Lou Holtz was asleep by the end of the game. I was being watching. Like, <laughs> Lou Holtz did not see that. that. Leave that guy alone. And he's right, too. Ohio State has lost because they've been soft. And, yep. I, you know, I haven't rooted really hard for Penn State in over 20 years, probably. But this year, for that game against Ohio State, I'm going to be so fired up. I hate Ohio State. This might be my least favorite team of all, uh, of all the Ohio State teams. So I'm tired of seeing them get all the praise this week, which we knew was going to happen. We said whoever won the game was going to get all the praise all week, which is true. So can't stand them. Um, outside of that, uh, Oregon dismantled Colorado. They just uh, way too physical on both sides of the ball. Colorado never had a chance. And um, there was a bunch of great games. You know, I really enjoyed uh, Washington State, Oregon State. Cam Ward looked awesome. They played a little bit uh, a keep away late, and Oregon State made a furious comeback, fell a little bit short. And uh, just a wild week of college football. This is kind of a quiet week this week, but you never know. It's college football. Ryan, anything that stood out to you? Playing, coaching, et cetera? I know. I mean, Dan covered most of it. I will say the top five offenses, not top five teams, because Utah doesn't count because they don't have Cam Rising yet. Top five offenses in the Pac-12 combined for 216 points last weekend. So that was a nice – that was that was pretty nice. I mean, yeah. So a lot of scoring out west here. Just enjoy it while you can, folks. The end of the Pac-12. It's They're going out with an absolute bang. And they're the best conference 
we've been upping the stakes every week. Three weeks ago, we said they're the best conference as a joke. Two weeks ago, we said, hey, maybe they are. Last week, we said they definitely are. Now I'm saying they're head and shoulders above the other conferences. Big 10, I think, is second right now. And um, it's not like it's clear cut that the Pac-12 is better right now. And the SEC mm-hmm. is somehow third, maybe fourth, the way they've been playing. I know we all know that the SEC really is the best in terms of the physicality and that stuff. But like ACC has a resume that stacks up with the SEC right now. So uh, it's just a mess. And uh, the Pac-12, I'm really pulling for every Pac-12 team, even USC, who I usually don't like to root for, just because it's the last year they're breaking up and they've been so great to watch. And we'll get to some of these later. U-Dub also is just amazing. That's right, Tom. All right, let's start with the week five lines and um, let those games take us where they may. All right, sounds good. Uh, Let's go Friday night. Utah at Oregon State. Great game. Um, Late start, 9 o'clock Eastern start. So you have to have some coffee, Tom. Um, Oregon State minus 4.5, total 44.5. Utah, scrappy 14-7 win against UCLA. They got a pick six on the first play of the game, and that's about it. Um, and then Oregon State, they, they're, I mean, they're a physical team and they're fast, but Washington State just threw at will all over them. And sometimes with a really physical team like that, you just have to spread them out. I don't think Cam Rising is going to play with it being a short week, but I could be wrong. Um the line has, has moved in Oregon State's favor quite a bit this week. I think it opened around one and a half, two. Now it's four and a half. I have a hard time laying four and a half with Oregon State in a spot. 44 and a half also seems ultra low. Near impossible game to pick. I'll send this one to Ryan. Yeah, this is super hard with the no cam rising. Um, I don't think he's going to play just yet. Um. For me, it's actually the under 44 and a half. I know that's low, but I mean, 2420 is an under. I don't know that the game can get much higher than 2420 with these two teams, the way they play. So late night, Corvallis, not easy, going to be rowdy. I don't trust DJ in this spot. This could be another game where Utah pick six is the first play of the game. Uh, so I'm going to lean under, and I'm probably going to stay away from a pick. Yeah, probably if I had to pick, I'd take, I'd take the points. I would take Utah plus four and a half. Tom? The line on Utah was wrong last week, and the line on Utah is wrong again this week. They're the better team outright. Utah money line. Um. Uh, Wow, I have no idea. It's a pass for me, and I rarely say that. All right, let's move on to the weekend. Lots of games here. Penn State at Northwestern. Tom, can Penn State cover the 26 and a half? Now, this is a tricky one because Penn State's coming off the thumping of Iowa at home, which is the third best team on their schedule, allegedly. We'll see when the season ends. But now we have Northwestern by week. UMass, and then the big game at Ohio State, which is the season, one of two games that will decide how the season ends. So I do not expect Penn State to show 
anything in this game or the UMass game. UMass, they can beat 60-0 running up the middle every time. Northwestern is a Big Ten team, supposedly. I don't think Penn State's going to try that hard, or certainly they won't do any trick plays. They won't try anything from the playbook that they want to save for Ohio State. So we're going to see a lot of Singleton, a lot of um, Allen, maybe some uh, some Potts, the third string running back, who's pretty good for a third stringer. I think it's just going to be a lot of run, run, run for Penn State, and they'll be happy to win this game by, say, 20 points. So obviously never bet on Northwestern, but I I'm staying away from this one. All right, let's move on. USC at Colorado with a noon Eastern start time. Totally ridiculous. That'll be a 10 a.m. local kick in Colorado. Um, Ryan, USC minus 21 and a half, total 73 and a half. USC last week against Arizona State, uh, they didn't look good. Uh, to quote, there's something about Mary. First chick in the armor, Ted. Uh, there's definitely some flaws that got exposed in that Are you game. sure that sloppy. ASU just isn't really good? Yes, I am, Tom. Um, but first road game for USC, warm temperatures, very sloppy. I had USC over 27 and a half points first half, and I angrily lost that. Uh, so, Ryan, what's going on in this game? Well, I'll tell you one thing. USC was bored last week. Like, Caleb Williams, when he's playing a team that he knows has no chance, he's just, he's just bored out there. So this is going to be fun for him because this is the probably the only game all season where the other quarterback has as much hype as he does. Not talent, not all that. Hype. Media coverage. Caleb Williams loves the media. He loves this shit. And the fact that Shador is getting as much, if not more, pub than him, he's going to be fired up. This is an easy over bet for me. The 21 and a half is a little shady. There's some back doors there for both sides, but seven, the, the, the over is the play a hundred percent of a time over is a play. This game might get to a hundred. See any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I agree with Ryan. Although I think by the time they get to play Washington or Oregon, there's going to be more hype around Knicks and panics respectively. So the same thing might apply, but right now you're right. Obviously Colorado's the most hyped team of the first month of the season. I kind of think USC covers and beats them by 30, much like Oregon did. They've seen the blueprint. Colorado is a fun, uh, fun story. They play well against those mid-level teams, but they're definitely not on this elite level. And because of all the hype that Dion's gotten, I think everyone just wants to crush them now. So I look for them to lose big in this game but when they are playing teams that are more on their level, it's still going to be fun and they'll still win a bunch of games. I think that's fair. I think um, Colorado is obviously a little bit embarrassed and they played their, you know, on the road last week. USC's defense is absolutely atrocious. Arizona State had no business scoring in the 20s. Um, they could hardly even function as an offense. I feel like this is something like 55-31 maybe. So... Yeah, th- this should go in the 80s. USC should score in the 50s or 60s and Colorado in the 20s or 30s. At, at, at a minimum, that gets us to where we need to be. So over, good call on that. 
I'll take the next one. Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky minus one. Total 45. In the past five matchups between Florida and Kentucky, 50 points has only been scored one time. Last year was 42 combined points with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson both drafted NFL quarterbacks. This year, we have uh, Graham Mertz and Dennis Leary, and the total is 45. Last year, we looked at a lot of alt-Iowa unders. Find your alt-under for this one. 9 a.m., or sorry, noon East Coast start. I think first one to 13 wins this game. This is a, this is your 13-10 special right here. There will be no points in this game, no chance of a high-scoring game. Absolute bloodbath, SEC old-school game right here. Uh, Z, or, yeah, Z, any thoughts on this one? Nothing to add. I think Kentucky probably wins it outright, though. I like Kentucky, too. Ryan, you got anything to add? Kentucky going for three straight, by the way. Mm-hmm. Three straight against Florida. This is a monster game for their program. I'm going to take Kentucky and definitely take the under. Dan, I think you're all over it. 1913 was the score I was thinking. I had 1913. That's about as high as I think they can get. Sounds good. All right. Take also, the over field goal prop. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Five field goals, one touchdown in this game. Might be on defense for special teams. Uh, it's going to be an absolute rock fight. Okay, uh, also, early SEC, 3-1 and one, Texas A&M. Mm. At, or not at, neutral site against Arkansas at the Jerry Dome. A&M minus 6, total 53.5. A&M lost their starting quarterback, uh, Connor Wegman, uh, last week, and uh, now has to go to Max Johnson. So um, we'll see if there's any fall off there. Arkansas, 2-2, two and two, no idea what's going on with them. I don't know if KJ peaked two years ago. I don't know what happened. All I know is on that fast track, I, I don't trust AM to lay six points against anyone who's semi-competent. So give me the six, and uh, I'm not really sure about the rest. Ryan, any thoughts? I'm going to ride KJ Jefferson till the wheels fall all the way off. I am all in on him. I will stay all in on him. There is talent there. There is a legitimate college quarterback in there. They just got to let them go, and I'm going to ride them. Give me Arkansas money line. Z. I will not be picking this game. The Connor Wegman thing has been making me laugh because that's what I've been calling him for the past six weeks. I was trying to think of a clever line like, Connor Wegman, W popped his MCL. But yeah, correct. I like that. By the way, W pop being discontinued, gentlemen, your thoughts? Unacceptable and outrageous. If they discontinue the W chips, there's going to be riots. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Speaking of Wegmans, Clemson at Syracuse. Good segue there, guys. Uh, Clemson minus six and a half, total 53. We got a red-hot Syracuse team beating nobody all year at home in the carrier Hey, dome. hey, hey. That's very unfair to teams like Wagner, Marathon Oil, Niagara, and whoever else they've played. Nottingham. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Clemson, fresh off of, a, of, of seizing the jaws of defeat from the jaws of victory or something, whatever the saying is. 
They totally blew it last week, missing in a shorter than an extra point field goal to win. Um, they played really even with Florida State, as expected at home. Uh, Cade Klubnik still is not a five-star quarterback. Look, if Syracuse is ever, is ever going to beat Clemson, this is the spot. No clue. Ryan, go ahead. Are we sure that Vegas didn't screw this up and f- invert the over-under? How the hell are these teams getting into the 50s? That is impossible. This game is gonna should be over under 39 and a half, and I'm taking the under. That's the lock of the week for me. Favorite bet of the entire college football slate under Syracuse Clemson. See. I agree with that. I have no idea who to pick on the sides. Are we sure that Garrett Schrader can throw the ball? Because he's been tearing it up as a running quarterback, but I'm yet to see him really throw a great pass. Well, he's missing his number one wideout, which is makes it tough because the guy was six six and he just threw up jump balls, and that's really what he can do. He kind of shot puts it a little bit, like poor man's Phil Rivers, a little bit of a shot put. I don't think that's quite a great compliment, but I think Cuse has enough to keep this close. I would take Clemson because they're just more talented, but <laughs> I'll be pulling for the Cuse. I won't actually be betting this. I'll be sticking to the under, as Ryan said. Same here. The only thing I like is the under. Uh, good call on that. I think Syracuse struggles to run on Clemson. I think Klubnik is no good. And uh, Clemson, I hear, is leaving the ACC this week, potentially, too. A uh, little, little breaking news. So we'll, we'll find out. We are so close to our grand vision of two conferences, the Union and the Confederacy. It's, it's pretty much inevitable at this point. Um, speaking of Confederacy, we got Georgia at Auburn uh, at twelve thirty. This might be the all under week, guys. Georgia minus fourteen, total forty five and a half. Auburn scored ten against A and M, and seven were on defense. And uh, Georgia only put up twenty four against that mighty South Carolina defense. Who the hell scored in this game? Under. Under, under. And I wouldn't be shocked if somehow Auburn keeps us close. Like, it's like 13-7 in the fourth quarter somehow, and then Georgia wins like 23-7 to or something like that. But uh, I don't know. And Brian, that's, what do you think? That's, you, I can't say anything better than you said. It's exactly what's going to happen. The script is already written. It's going to be a one-score game with like 10 minutes left, and then Georgia's going to cover. It's over. Moving on, take the under. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Let's move on to my favorite game of the week, Kansas at Texas. 4-0 Kansas, 4-0 Texas. Kansas obviously hasn't played the elite schedule that, uh, you know, not that Texas has. They played one tough game. But um, Texas minus 16.5, total 61. Last year, Texas throttled Kansas in Kansas. And it kind of ended the dream year for Kansas. I've had the pleasure of watching some Kansas football this year, and I like what I see. I feel like this team's better than last year. I feel they're mad about what happened last year. And above all else, if you take all your money and you split it 
58% on this game and 50% on the Oklahoma-Iowa State game. One or both of the underdogs is covering because next week is the Red River rivalry. And the remaining schedules for Oklahoma and Texas are ridiculously easy after next week. Both teams will be favored in every game, probably by at least a touchdown, if not double digits. Whoever wins this week and next week is probably going to backdoor their way into the playoff, which is ridiculous, but it could happen. Anyway, I like Kansas. I think they have a chance to beat Texas outright this week. Uh, Kansas has beaten Texas before in Austin, and it wasn't pretty. Um, Their offense is just really good, and their defense is athletic, and it's a look-ahead spot, and yada, 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 yada. Give me Kansas. Ryan? Here's where the unders stop, Dan. The over is the play here. I love the over. I love everything you said about Kansas. I've been following them too. I think week one on take the points, I was talking about uh, quarterback showing up to media day with all his highlights on a chain. Like They're just swagged out. They're fast. They're fun. I don't think I can pick them outright. I like the 16 and a half because they have such backdoor potential and Texas looking ahead definitely can give up some backdoors. So I would take the points, but I love the over in this game over, over, over Z thoughts. Yeah. I'm not sure I can actually do it, but Kansas is much improved this year. As you said, I don't remember when they played Texas, if they had been having injury problems at the QB last year, I think they were. Both Kansas QBs are capable, but Daniels is much better and gives them the much better shot to win. Their defense this year is noticeably better than it was last year, uh, led by Kobe Bryant, of course, who had just a monster hit last week, which was one of the plays of the week, in my opinion. So I like Kansas a lot. I don't think I have the guts to do this, though. This Texas team is good. I would just like to do a quick aside. I was looking at some scheduling, and um, the top few teams... It is embarrassing how easy their schedules are this year. Georgia's schedule, if you count South Carolina as a tough game, I really don't, but maybe you will. I don't think they have a tough game for another few weeks. It's like week nine or something's their first actual somewhat competitive game against Ole Miss. Michigan has the saddest schedule I've ever seen in my life. They, The only games they play that are tough this year are going to be at Penn State and Ohio State. The Penn State game is first, November 11th. November 11th is the first time Michigan has any sort of a competitive game, which is pathetic. Texas, you just mentioned how soft their schedule is. I know they played Alabama. Now they play Kansas. So it's a little front loaded, but for a team that's got, that's number three in playoff potential, super, super easy. Again, only the PAC 12 gets screwed because they've got such good schedules. And then of course, you know, Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state all have to play each other. So that works out in the end, but yeah, soft, soft scheduling this year. Unacceptable. Agree. Um, okay. Let's move on to a game. That's not so great. Arkansas state at UMass. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I was waiting, waiting for this one. Well, I'm going to send it to Ryan first. If not, I have some very important thoughts on this game. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on this game, or do you want me to uh, continue? Uh, Dan, you know me so well. Thank you so much. 
we're going to have a quick little tarmac session, folks. Nice. The tarmac is here. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about this game, but we're going to get to it. First, we're going to start off with the number five. We're going to get right into this. He was on the list last week. He has not left the list. Jeff Halfley, Boston College. Not good. Not good at all. Number four, we got a new entry to the tarmac this week, guys. Brent Pry. That's right. Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. I know it's only his second season, but they are pathetic. He needs to turn it around. He needs to get some recruiting. I've looked at the recruiting rankings. It is not good. They are way down the list. So he needs to turn that around or he needs to go. Number three, another new entry, Ken Wilson. That's right. At Nevada, not good. He is struggling. They have 68 points for and 165 allowed. For a guy who is supposed to be a defensive guru, not good. It's not a premier job, but at the same time, Tarmac goes after everybody. Speaking of going after everybody, number two, take the points favorite. Tom had issues with this last week, but he has not left the list. Mike Gundy, congratulations. You are number two on the list this week because you lost to Iowa State. Iowa State, who scored seven points at home against Ohio. Not State. No pause for effect, Ohio. That quarterback who could only manage seven points at home threw for 348 yards against Mike Gundy's defense. Holy hell, that is pathetic. But speaking of pathetic, the red-faced master himself, Butch Jones, you are underdog. (laughs) You are an underdog against UMass, the worst college football program for 20 straight years at least. And you are an underdog to that team. Congratulations, Butch. You are getting left on the tarmac in Amherst. Tom, he might need a ride home. I know it's not far from you. You might want to ride up to this game because you might see Butch tarmac. I I am not joking at all. I will 100% give Butch Jones a ride back to Arkansas, wherever the hell he's from. If he gets fired and left, I will drive you back. That's the Tom Z promise. All right, spill it. I want to extend the tarmac with some add-ons. Yes, Dan, go you go first. No, 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 Tom, please. By okay. all means, this, go right this ahead. This is very important because Mel, T- Mel Tucker of Michigan State was officially fired, uh, I believe, yesterday. And, um, we don't need to talk about him. Complete chump, $95 million, 70 million guaranteed. He will be getting none of that. So great, great job. Just one of the all time worst maneuvers and blunders. I mean, aside from it being like basically a crime, just as a stupidity move, just one of the greats of all time. Yes, Ryan. And let's just mention he was on the tarmac last year before any of this stuff happened. 
he was already known on Take the Points as a bad coach. He was definitely on the tarmac last season. Well, we had a, you had a on. special section of like a special train car or, or a, you know, a, what's the opposite of first class, last class of the tarmac with him and Jimbo, who basically you said they should be fired, but we can't because the buyout is too extreme. So even with a buyout that made him unfireable, he found a way like true champions. They find a way. All right. This is what I want to talk about. Potential replacements for Mel Tucker. You mentioned <laughs> Matt Campbell with his big win over Gundy. He's now made the list. And the worst. if they give him an offer of $14 an hour, he should take that goddamn <laughs> Amtrak and get up there and get out of Ohio, uh, out of Iowa state. So it's him. Uh, I'll go in reverse order. Sean Lewis, Nard Dog. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Charles Huff, PJ Fleck, Jason Candle, who I had to Google, is the coach of Toledo. He's been doing a good job there. Might be a realistic choice. Dave Clawson, who's been doing a nice job. Jonathan Smith, Lance Leopold of Kansas, might be a reach. And Mike Elko of Duke Football, definitely a reach. So who are you guys hiring from that list or otherwise, Dan? Nard dog, easy choice. Um, and he should take it too, because it's the easiest job of all time. You take over this team that's going to win two or three games. You're going to sign a $50 million deal. You're going to get them to like Iowa level, you know, respectability going seven and five, eight or four. Everyone's going to laud you for being a great guy that cares about the players off the field. And now they're exciting again. But then you're going to peak around eight and four, and you're going to go back down. And then you're going to get fired, and you're going to get paid out. It's it's the greatest job in America. I mean, you really can't pass on this. It's perfect for Nardog. He gets to leave Pitt behind, go up there to Michigan State, have a couple of players taken in the in the NFL draft. Some like defensive linemen's going to go like twelfth that he recruits somehow. They're going to go eight and four with a surprise win over Michigan somehow like 1916 one year. And they're going to love them. I mean, it's just, it's the dumbest shit. We all, this exactly, that's literally what word for word, which is going to happen. That's my most accurate prediction in the last 10 years. So yeah, iron our dog, just do it. I agree with that with one caveat. He's going to be the bill O'Brien of Michigan state. He will come in, he will go seven and five, eight and four for three years People will thank him for essentially saving the program when they could have been horrible, a real turning point in the program. And then he's going to take some NFL job as a defensive coordinator for the Vikings. And he's going to go and absolutely shit the bed. But but Michigan State fans will love him forever for sort of riding the ship and then passing it along to Lance Leopold or somebody better in three years. Ryan totally disagrees with this. You guys are insane. Nardog's going to go there and he's going to go 10 and two. Oh, because they don't have to play anybody. <laughs> they don't play anybody. Like they just have to beat Luke fickle. He did that every year when he was at Pitt and fickles at Cincinnati. They play like Michigan, at, Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state every year. Uh, in, theory. But, in theory, when this the expanded big 10, you watch. Yeah. There's there's going to be years he's going to have one year where he only has to play like Michigan and Wisconsin and that's it. 
Yeah. Like no Ohio State, no Penn State, and he's going to get a cakewalk. Oh, wait, never mind. USC, UCLA are going to be in the Big Ten West, yeah. aren't they? Oregon, Washington. That's going to be interesting. So are they going to, is Michigan State going to bump to the East? Uh, unclear. They might not do divisions in the way, or they might bump a few teams. It's it's unclear at this point. Well, I think Nardog's success is going to depend on how they align this new expanded Big Ten. But I'm telling you, there's going to be one year where it's going to work in his favor and he's going to like 10 and 2. It's going to be the best. I Rem- can't wait to see them remember, shit the bed in a sugar bowl. It's going to be the best. Yeah, remember 12-team playoff coming up. So a 10 and 2 Nard Dog Michigan State gets that 12 slot <laughs> oh, and gets destroyed by Georgia in round one, 70 to 3. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Nard Dog for life. <laughs> yes. All right. Nard Dog for life. What's next, Danny? I'll tell you what's next. We're not going anywhere. This is the your opinion is wrong oh, no. game of the week. Yeah, oh yes, two weeks in a row. Um I there's actually three great candidates this week, but this one just had too many gems to pass up on. So Tom. Wait, what you, game are we talking about? Because I realize we're not talking about Michigan State, are we? Arkansas State at UMass. Oh yes, perfect. We got UMass minus two, total fifty-six. Tom what sides do you like in this game? Well, Dan, UMass is the home team, and uh, we just talked about Butch Jones, so obviously UMass is the correct choice, and these are two of the worst teams in America. So the final will be 6-3. to three. Wait, what's the spread? Two. Two, okay, yes. Yeah. So UMass will cover 6-3 to three with the under. UMass and the under. Easy. UMass and the under, Tom. You traitor. UConn's star quarterback that transferred to UMass is out for the year with injury. How are they going to overcome the loss of an elite talent from a pedigree program like the University of Connecticut? They have no chance of winning this game. The replacement is a fifth-year senior who hasn't been able to see the field for UMass. That speaks to his talent level. And sorry, did you like the over or under? Could you remind under, me? Under, way under. Under, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, that's wrong. UMass gave up 34 to New Mexico, 41 to Miami of Ohio, 59 to an Auburn team that I think got about 100 yards last week, and they gave up 30 to New Mexico State. So good luck with that under. A team from Arkansas, just because they're from below the Mason-Dixon line, is easily going to score 50 points. So I'm sorry, Tom. Arkansas State blows them out and it over. Ryan, what do you like for this game? Well, that's exactly what I love. I love Arkansas State and the over here. This is Butch coaching for his life, coaching for his career. This might be the last stop on the Butch train. And the over is easy. Here's why. This season, they have given up 73, 37, and 37. They scored 44 last week. This is great. They're going to go way over. This is an outrage. Both picks are incorrect. First of all, have you been around UMass? Yes, you have. Now, we're used to it because we grew up there. Arkansas State's going to have to fly into Bradley. They're going to get on a bus. They're going to they're gonna make a wrong turn. They're going to the wrong turn. They're going to be in the Berkshires. Some guy wearing a fish shirt's going to be trying to sell maple syrup and homemade pants. It's going to throw them way out of their element. UMass has a ridiculous home field. You have to go to the woods of Amherst. No one's going to win there. And you like an over. That's false. Arkansas State, zero points against Oklahoma. Three points against Memphis. Uh, UMass, 
has no quarterback. No one scored any points. UMass going to win this game 9-2. So uh, I'm sorry, guys. All four of your picks are incorrect. I look forward to seeing how this plays out this weekend. Okay. Your opinion is wrong. My favorite segment. Let me just add to that, that you make a joke, but I actually think this is going to influence my pick because when you say they're flying into Bradley, they're coming in early in the morning. They're going to have to drive up. Uh, There's no restaurants or anything in Bradley that are ever open unless you go at 3 PM. If you go in the morning or after like nine o'clock, everything's closed. So there's going to be one Dunkin' Donut that's closed down. They're going to be uncaffeinated, Dan. They're not going to be awake for this game. Can't have that. And you're going to be in Amherst, Massachusetts. Not exactly a hotbed of activity to wake you up. All right, let's continue on. Uh, A couple more games to talk about tonight. LSU at Ole Miss. Uh, LSU 3-1 has rolled off three wins after the opening week debacle against Florida State. Ole Miss, uh, if they're ever going to beat Alabama, it was last week, and they couldn't get it done. Offense looked terrible. Um, Low-scoring game, as called here on Take the Points, but just not great. LSU minus 2.5, total 67. Ryan, thoughts on this weird game? It's a, it is a weird game. It's like really intriguing. I'm really interested in watching this game. I'm not really sure what's going to go on. I know that the Ole Miss offense looked brutal last week. But I also know that LSU secondary is banged all the way up. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to lean to the over on this game. That's, I don't really like a side either way. So I'm going to have to go actually with an over on this. LSU has been scoring a bunch of points. I mean, they get in the thirties and I think their secondary is vulnerable enough to, uh, to let lane at home get some points too. Tom thoughts. So I think we overreacted to LSU after week one, they got beat down by a good Florida state team. They've been looking pretty decent since then. Again, we say it every week, but they're different than the LSU teams we're used to, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad. They can score points. And I don't know, we love Ole Miss, but it's time to start betting with our head and not our heart. They just don't look good this season. And so I think LSU clearly looks like the better team. I'll lay two and a half and I don't like the over. I think it's going to be a little bit under actually. I'm thinking something like a 33 to 27, which would fall short. Uh, thanks guys. You know, every week for your, your opinion is wrong. I usually pick a, an awful game, but I almost picked this one because you can really make an argument for all four sides. Um, in this game, really, really tough. Um, wouldn't surprise me if this game was 57, 55, wouldn't surprise me if this game was 24, 20 or 50 to three. I, I, it's, it's really, really tough. Jaden Daniels is really talented, but wildly inconsistent. I mean, this LSU team's loaded with talent. I mean, there are studs, like legit top 10 NFL players on this team, but Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, I mean, there's a lot of variables going on here. So really, really tough game to pick. All right, let's go out to the Pac-12 again briefly. Oregon at Stanford. Nice to see Andrew Luck make an appearance uh, dressed up as uh, Colonel Andrew Luck the other night in his uh, Civil War outfit, really embracing the – the parody account on Twitter. That was great. 
this Stanford team could use them because they gave up 49 in the first half to USC, and I believe Oregon is aware of that. Um, it's Oregon minus 27, which means the first half spread is going to be like 16. Higher than that, 17 and a half, 18, 19. It shouldn't matter. Go ahead and lay it with Oregon. I'm sure they want to uh, blow them out early and rest everybody. I don't think we really need to talk about this. This is your first half bet of the week. Um, there will be no letdown after Colorado game. That really wasn't a test, I don't think. Um, let's move on. Iowa State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, a quiet 4-0. Haven't really played anybody. Iowa State, as you said, they just beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma minus 20. Total only 48 and a half. Um, so they're saying Oklahoma is going to win this game like uh, 34-14, I guess would be the, the math on that. Um, again, Red River rivalry next week. Um, if I would say it had any talent at all, I would bet them, but I can't do it. Ziti, any thoughts? No, I feel the same way as you. Oklahoma, better team, obviously. I think they're undervalued at 14th in the country. They seem like a borderline top 10 team to me. I'd probably have them right around 10th if I really broke it down. But they always struggle with Iowa State every year, regardless of talent disparity. And they'll be looking ahead to their biggest game. And so it's just too many points to lay. So it's a stay away. uh, Ryan, any thoughts on this one? Uh, Yes. Only bet this game after the Texas game. Watch Texas, Kansas, as Oklahoma players will be doing. Watch Texas, Kansas. See how that goes. If Texas runs, runs all over them, I think Oklahoma runs all over Iowa State. They're like, look, they took care of business. We need to take care of business. Let's do this shit. If that Kansas-Texas game is a back-and-forth, crazy, shootout, wild game, Oklahoma might watch it and be like, these guys can't even put away Kansas. Like, like That would make me nervous. So for me, if Texas dominates, bet Oklahoma to dominate. If Texas and Kansas is close, then stay completely away from this game. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, Tom, this one is all you. Notre Dame at Duke. Notre Dame minus five and a half on the road. Total 52. Go ahead, Tom. Are you taking Duke money line? Can you do it? College game day, game of the week. All these Johnny come latelys going down to Duke football to cheer them on when I've been rooting for them for four or five years now, saying that they're the the best team in the ACC, objectively. This year, my prediction has actually come true, and right now they do look like the best, you know, along with Florida State. But this is a tough one because Notre Dame, if they do what they did against Ohio State and just run the ball and don't make the stupid coaching errors, they should be able to win this game by 7 to 10 points. But after what I saw, I cannot count on them to do solid coaching and not uh, do self-inflicted errors. You're going to have the college game day crew. It's going to be the most heated a Duke football crowds ever been in the history of Duke football. And so I think you've got to give Duke a lot of credit and weight them more heavily because of that. So I think I'm going to look at an under. 52 and a half seems like a lot, especially with the stout Notre Dame defense holding Ohio state to just, what was it? 14. So under seems like the best bet. And honestly, five and a half seems right on, but 
because I've been saying it for years, hell yeah, Duke football. Let's do it, baby. Right, one, one point win, money line. Okay. I love it, Tom. Let's go. Make it two. I'll take I'll take the Duke money line. Riley Leonard is actually better than Sam Hartman. I I, I will concur with that assessment, Ryan. Um I think it's under week, and I, I think uh, I think you make a lot of sense there, Tom. You know that Clemson game was twenty-eight to seven, and uh, I don't see this having twenty more points than that game. Um, also, you know it, it's this is kind of a, a weird time of year. We're we're a month into the year. Some teams are starting to get some injuries, some bruises, some things like that. The clock's running like it like you know it never was before, honestly, because the rule change. I think uh, I think I'm gonna hammer like seven unders this week and try to hit five of them. I think I think that might might be the play. We talked um, about this before, but the running clock makes such a big difference for betting totals. And I don't think Vegas, well, Vegas knows, but I don't think the public is quite caught up to what an impact it has. And so no. when I see even like a Colorado USC being in seventy two or seventy four, it makes me nervous that there's just not the kind of time you need with the new rules to get that, those kind of overs, that game might be an exception, but again, 52 and a half, this is where I would have put this over under last year with those rules. And so I think that, um, whether it's Vegas hasn't caught up or most likely the public hasn't caught up. And so Vegas is setting lines accordingly for an uneducated public. Uh, I think there's value to be had in a lot of unders for the next, hopefully couple weeks, but certainly this week. And also keep in mind that more states have legalized sports betting and the public bets over. So yeah, inflated, inflated totals with overs and the running clock. And it's not a powerhouse year in college football for offenses. I mean, there's some out West that are amazing, but like East of the Rocky mountains is a, is a wasteland for offense this year. I mean, it's the truth. There's no good ones. I mean, it's, it's not like it used to be. I mean, Anyway, under. Uh, all right, Tom, how low can we go here? Michigan State at Iowa. Iowa minus 12 and a half, total 36 and a half. Give me the exact score of this game. 36 and a half is way too high. I don't know how they got that. <laughs> you've got, I mean, you've got the variables with Michigan State being coachless and D'Antonio in there and who the hell knows who's really calling the shots around there. So that makes it tough to pick a side. Um, I guess you got to go with Iowa. How do you bet on Brian Ferentz's offense ever? So obviously the answer is under, but, um, in terms of what the score will be, well, each team will get a defensive touchdown by the way, uh, Cade McNown or Cade, Cade McNown, Cade McNamara, no good at all. No. So they, I was laughing so hard when he was playing Penn state, which of course they lost 31, nothing. I know it's a whiteout game at Penn state, but goose egg and the second team defense played a couple of drives. So they had opportunities to get a garbage time TD zero. He, he did not look good at all. And the announcer said something like he shouldn't have to compete with JJ McCarthy and show he was the best guy for Michigan. He just has to run the offense here. I'm like, oh, he's not even doing that. So let's forget about JJ. Well, the thing about that is they asked him, after the game uh, a couple days later at like media, whatever they asked him about that. And his response was, I just play quarterback. I'm not the one calling the plays. Did he say that? 
Oh, I oh, missed. Yeah. I missed oh, that. They they said they they asked him a question about like you only had like four completions to wide receivers. Like why why do you not throw it to your wide receivers? He's like, look, I'm just the quarterback. I don't call the plays. Oh, I hadn't heard that. All right, Michigan State's going to win this game. Um, fourteen, twelve, <laughs> shootout. Very good. Um, Ryan, how many minutes of this game are you going to watch? Zero, Tom. Zero, Dan. Zero, Jim. That's correct. Um, I'm also going to watch zero minutes because I will be traveling to go to this last game of the night that I want to talk about. Washington at Arizona and Tucson. I'm nice, making the trip. Nice. I, I got tickets in the lower level in the Washington fan section. Very nice. excited to see that. Uh, about you the are, 30 yard you, line. You reside in which state again, Dan? Arizona. That's your home state, Arizona. You'll be traveling to see Washington in the Washington section. I do live next to Arizona State in Tempe, therefore I hate U of A though. So uh that you know that that's how it works. Um okay, Washington minus 19, total 65 and a half. Now, before we get too excited with Washington here. This is the spot that Washington fucked up last year. They went on the road to Arizona State and they laid an egg. It was hot. Uh, They played an afternoon game. They made mistakes. They had a bunch of injuries on defense and Arizona State beat them. They all know that. I'm sure the coaches are drilling that into their head this week. Don't fuck this up. Um, The good news is that this is a night game. 7 o'clock local start. Sun will go down. Temperature will be in the 80s, which is great. Um, sneeze on on, on air. Um, I'm taking over 65 and a half. It opened up at 69 and a half, and I almost bet it then. But then I looked, and it was minus 115 to the under. And I, I've been waiting all week. Look, Washington to score so much, it's unbelievable. And then they pull their first stringers, and the defense, their second and third string, gives up a bunch. Last week, Cal scored 38, which was hilarious. But Washington pulled their starters when they were up 52-10 in the third quarter. So I think Washington's scoring in the 40s or 50s, and Arizona's scoring in the 20s or 30s, and uh, hoping for a fun, exciting over. And I'm going to the game. So every game I go to, I always bet the over, whether it's uh, the Phoenix Suns or college sports or anything at all. So I'll bet the over. Ryan, thoughts? Yeah, I, I have a question for you, Dan. Do you think Arizona can score at least one point in this game? Yes. Okay, therefore, take the over because Washington is <laughs> scoring 65 on their own. That's right. Exactly 65. I think Arizona probably gets about 30 with the garbage time. That's why we have the Pac-12 to save college football and give us a 90-plus point over. That's the play all the way. You guys see any thoughts on uh, any thoughts on Michael Penix being Heisman favorite today? Is he the Heisman favorite right now? He's plus two twenty five to win the Heisman. Who else is in that vicinity? Caleb Williams plus three fifty. Really, that far back of Penix? Yep. Well, you guys are on the West Coast, so all this makes sense to you. I'm on the East Coast, and anyone listening from the East Coast doesn't see a lot of Washington football. You're generally aware of them. You know, they made a playoff a few years ago and they've 
done well and Penix is good player. I can't impress upon people enough how this year's team is even much better than last year's Washington team, which was good. This team is the real deal. The best team in the best conference, in my opinion. I mean, that's a toss up. They'll play USC. They'll play Oregon. They'll play Utah. It'll get sorted out, but they look like the best team. They look like a playoff contender and they are dominating. Like you said, the scores don't reflect it. I watched the first half of that game last week and they were up what 42 to three or something like that. It seemed like, I mean, they scored every drive. It seemed like they scored about every four plays. If you went to, you know, go to the bathroom, you missed a Washington touchdown. They just destroy teams. I know Cal isn't the greatest, but they're okay. They're a real power five football team and Washington dismantled them completely. So I have no doubt that they're going to, not only cover the 19, probably get the over on their own, or at least get about 60 points. So this is a double bet for me. Washington over high confidence on both. Here's a fun, real fun stat to end the day with here. Washington averages 11.2 yards per drop back. That's (laughs) per drop back. Not per pass. yeah, anytime they don't hand the ball off, they average 11.2 yards. <laughs> it's amazing. So incomplete sacks, all that stuff. I, well, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me if you've watched the game. Penix just hits one of those three amazing receivers. They're all so good. They've got a run game. They've got it all. Their defense is pretty good, too. Defense way underrated. In fact, there's like there's a chance that this team sends like eight to ten players to the draft next year. And the first two picks on this whole team are both coming from the defense that are going first in the draft in the first round. Penix and the three wide receivers will t- get taken after the two defensive players. No one's talking about that. You were I mean, totally you ridiculous. mentioned this earlier in the year, I think week one, but this team looks like 2011 2012 Boise the Kellen Moore Boise it's built very similar obviously built by the same guy who engineered both teams and now they've got a great new coach who's taken you know where uh, Peterson left off Kellen DeBoer looks like you know a real great coach who knows future NFL future Seahawks coach maybe Alabama Alabama yeah I mean he's got a bright future if not at Washington definitely somewhere else but they're, they're, they're set up for a good run, let's just say. And so hopefully they have, with a fifth-year quarterback and a good coach, they have the mental fortitude not to drop games or show up flat against teams like Arizona. Penix had a touchdown pass last week, which was like the best thrown ball I've seen this year by far. He dropped an absolute laser in the end zone for a touchdown. It was like pro NFL, like only like five guys on planet earth can make that throw. And I'm like, Oh my God. And, and they scored 42 without Jalen McMillan last week. Who's their one a receiver. So just uh, unbelievable. So hats off to Washington looking forward to going down to Tucson. That's the only reason ever to go to Tucson is to go to a football game or a concert. And I'll be going in and getting out as soon as possible. Um, good any job, games Dan. That you wanna... Good Thank choice. You. Thank you. Um, any games that I missed that, uh, oh, oh, by the way, uh, Ryan, I got a bunch of tickets for Oregon, uh, ASU in November. So 
if you want in for that, we're, we got uh, lower levels for those. I'm in. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. All right. The Take uh, the Points College Football Podcast 2023 is going to be your source on the ground for the greatest conference in America, some of their best games. Right. I feel like we have to go to two pack or like you know, at least one or two pack 12 games this year being the last year and really take advantage of this. Yeah. I mean, if you guys go to a Washington and Oregon and a USC game, there's a good chance you might be viewing the national champion. I know. Meanwhile, I, I will be up in, uh, the woods of Massachusetts with my cell phone recording device, uh, saying, hello, uh, this is Tom's lesson from take the points.net. Uh, question for Mr. <laughs> Jones. Uh, what's been the key to your career success? <laughs> Say that with a straight face. It's that would be impossible. my, I, I would try. That would be my question <laughs> to Tom Bush Z Jones. From take the points.net. That's the best part. He's <laughs> like, wait, what? You have, <laughs> yeah, I'd ask it with seriously, because you can, you can hate Butch Jones all you want, but this man has been coaching for what, 12 years straight or something like that with no real results. So he keeps on going. That is an achievement in and of itself. Uh, any games that I missed that you would like to talk about, Tom? No, I'm good for this week. It's not the greatest slate. We'll find some good things to watch. Ryan, anything? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. Uh, Memphis minus three, home versus Boise. Uh, we talked about the Arkansas State culture shock of going up to the woods of Amherst. Here's Boise State going down to Memphis. So I like Not Memphis. Uh, Tom, you mentioned this earlier and you were all over this. I thought you were going to have this as your pick. Toledo. Good Toledo team, minus 13, home versus Northern Illinois, who is atrocious. That's a good. Their pick. coach is going to be on the tarmac at some point this season soon. He was in consideration this week. Uh, and then speaking of tarmac, I like my tarmac two-way parlay. Pitt minus two and a half at Vatek. Fresno minus 24 and a half home versus Nevada. Fresno's sneaky good, ranked 25th this week. They take field. care of business. This yeah exactly so they didn't take care of business so I like Pitt minus two and a half parlay that with Fresno minus twenty four and a half and get yourself a tarmac two way. I will say just as a general note as the Big Ten guy, watch out for underdogs in the Big Ten this week. I really am wary of all the favorites and all the lines. I don't I don't like laying any points with anyone really in the Big Ten this week just because of situations and motivation and what teams have coming up. So um, be careful of those underdogs. Okay. What's left? Sandler? Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup. Sorry. All right, Ryan, Ryan talk about Ryder Cup, and then Dan talk about Adam Sandler. Two, two very similar topics. Which come together in Happy Gilmore, but that's okay. Correct. Uh, Ryder Cup, yeah. For people on the West Coast, first tee time starts at 10.35 p.m. tonight. That's 1.35 a.m. for the East Coasters. Tom, I don't think you're going to be able to catch that those Ryder Cup matches. Don't think so. Uh, no. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. This course looks awesome for match play specifically. Like The last few holes are just going to be super, super fun. Uh, and I will say just the, one of the coolest things was yesterday in the practice round, 
Victor Hovland hit a hole-in-one on a par four with a three-wood. Like, guys were hitting driver, and he's like, I got this with a three-wood. And he aced the par four with a three-wood. Speaking of happy and Gilmore, that's a happy Gilmore-esque move. And then after that, they went in the team room, and he played the whole European team his favorite song of the moment. And every single player walked out of the team room within 40 seconds because he only listens to the heaviest death metal out of Norway that is made. And it's like a running joke in the PGA tour that Hovland is like a quiet psychopath because that's like all he listens to is like the, the craziest death metal of all time. All right, Dan, it's the 30th anniversary of which Adam Sandler album? They're all going to laugh at you. I believe the one that wasn't the first one. Uh, it's the second one that has like, Ode to My Car and The Goat and Hanukkah Song and all that. Oh, so that is the... Okay, I thought we were talking about the first one, which is um, what I just say. No, They're all going to the laugh one. at you. That's, that's the first oh, one. On, that's his sure. first one. So that's got the like... Yes, yes, you are correct. The buffoon. I, I say, I, Tolbert I say really. Really. Yep. Yeah, At a medium pace... Really. Yes. I forgot so, about that. So my, I don't know if it's a controversial <laughs> opinion, but I always preferred the second album, which is the, what the hell happened to me? That's the I old also, to my car. Correct. Uh, I prefer the second one, but the first one laid the groundwork with, uh, some outstanding tunes, you know, uh, comedy albums in the nineties were an underrated thing. And this was in the elite category and it's still quotable today. Like, there's still not a year that goes by where someone at work or a friend of mine or something quotes that those, those Adam Sandler CDs, even if it's like inadvertently, they just say it. And like everyone has their own favorite line and absolute legend of the comedy game. I cannot to this day say a dollar 25, please, without doing <laughs> The Tollbooth Willie accent. You, I cannot say a dollar twenty-five normally without laughing and thinking of Tollbooth Willie. So, to this day, I still, it makes me laugh every time. Classic. Yeah, like I said, the other one, the Ode to My Car. Um, this is a classic Pete Z, my dad. But I had the Mercury Topaz '93, which I drove in '96, which we joke made a clucka clucka sound as I turned. Uh, right. So I would try to go places only turning left, even if it meant going like three blocks around to get to the same spot. But of course this might was originally my parents' car and they gave it to me. And, um, my dad, for some reason, last time I saw him a couple months ago in 2023, he goes, Hey, do you remember that Adam Sandler song piece of shit car? He goes, that always reminds me of you because you had that piece of shit car. I'm like, well, thanks, Dad. Good seeing you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks. Yeah. Who's responsible for that, Pete? So that's what my dad, that's what reminds my dad of me is the Adam Sandler song, Piece of Shit Car. No rear view fucking mirror. All right, folks. Thanks for uh, hanging through all this Adam Sandler and Degeneration X talk uh, to get to the football we appreciate it. Suck it, Dan. Suck it, Ryan. Suck it, America. And uh, come back next week around the same time, late in the week, Thursday, Friday, for a new episode of Take the Points. My car's a big piece of shit. Cause these shots are fucking shot. 
Well, my seatbelt's fucking broken. I got to tie it in a knot. It's a piece of shit. I can't see through the windshield. Cause it's got the...